Hello and welcome to episode 649 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this evening. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Monday, September 11th, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're ever listening to this program in the future, happy birthday, Mr. Palmo. Let us begin with the Monday prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain holy perseverance. O Queen of Heaven, I, who was once a miserable slave of Lucifer, now dedicate myself to thee to be thy servant forever. I offer myself to honor thee, and serving thee during my whole life, do thou accept me, and refuse me not as I should deserve. O my mother, in thee have I placed all my hopes. From thee do I expect every grace. I bless and thank God, who in his mercy has given me this confidence in thee, which I consider a pledge of my salvation. Alas, miserable wretch that I am, I have hitherto fallen because I have not had recourse to thee. I now hope that, through the merits of Jesus Christ and thy prayers, I have obtained pardon. But I may again lose divine grace. The danger is not past. My enemies do not sleep. How many new temptations have I still to conquer? Ah, my most sweet lady, protect me, and permit me not again to become their slave. Help me at all times. I know that thou wilt help me, and that with thy help I shall conquer, if I recommend myself to thee. But this is what I fear. I fear that in time of danger I may neglect to call upon thee, and thus be lost. I ask thee then for this grace. Obtain me that in the assaults of hell I may always have recourse to thee, saying, Mary, help me. My mother, permit me not to lose my God. Today, friends, we head back once more to a catholiclife.blogspot.com and an article published by a Mr. David Martin, and it initially came out on Thursday, September 15, 2016, so about seven years ago, approximately, almost to the day. And it's entitled, Lay Eucharistic Ministry Born of Communist Infiltration. And Mr. Martin begins by saying, on June 29, 1972, on the occasion of the ninth anniversary of his coronation, Pope Paul VI declared to the world, from some fissure, the smoke of Satan entered into the temple of God. The Pope was referring to the diabolical forces that had infiltrated the church through the Second Vatican Council between 1962 and 1965. Now, a key objective of Vatican II was the empowerment of the laity in keeping with its theme of, quote, active participation of the faithful. With the council came the new definition of priesthood as the people of God. It saw whole church as one hierarchy or priesthood, but in different ranks with the ordained ministerial priesthood being only one rank of this priesthood. What was proposed was the fallacy that we are all priests of one hierarchy. The common priesthood of the faithful and the ministerial priesthood are nonetheless ordered one to another, each in its proper each in its own proper way shares in the one priesthood of Christ, Lumen Gentium 10. It is a well-known and documented fact that the agents of communism began entering our Catholic seminaries as far back as the 30s for the purpose of destroying the church from within. Over a thousand such agents had infiltrated the seminaries prior to 1940. The testimonies of ex-communists like Bella Dodd and Manning Johnson, who had testified before the House Un-American Activities Committee, more than confirmed that these agents of the sickle and hammer 
had been building their forces against the church with the intention of breaking in and indoctrinating the faithful with anti-church principles. Their plan was to first absorb Catholic philosophy and teaching in the seminaries so as to give them inside access to masterfully communicate and pull the Catholic hierarchy away from their traditional roots so that they in turn would embrace revolutionary ideas and become pawns of ecclesial subversion. The Leninist clenched fist ideal would now be applied in a spiritual way where the empowerment of the laity would be a means of overthrowing the church's monarchical structure so that a new sense of democracy and religious liberty would take precedence over the established rule of religion issuing from the seat of Peter. Hence, we have the modern-day role of lay Eucharistic ministers that are supposedly empowered to perform the priestly function of giving communion. Eucharistic ministers indeed have been empowered, but their empowerment is from the dark forces. What we're seeing today is Marxism in full swing. The insidious efforts of communists to infiltrate the church are now manifest through this and other like practices, e.g. women lectors, lay liturgists. It was a well-orchestrated plan to undermine the priesthood so that spiritual revolution would later ensue under the pretext of a renewal. Belladad said in the early 50s, in the 1930s, we put 1,100 men into the priesthood in order to destroy the church from within. Twelve years before Vatican II, she said, right now they're in the highest places in the church. She predicted that the changes they would implement would be so drastic that, quote, you will not recognize the Catholic Church, end quote. Dodd explained that of all the world's religions, the Catholic Church was the only one feared by communists. Her work as a communist was to give the church a complex about its heritage by labeling the church of the past as being oppressive, authoritarian, full of prejudices, arrogant and claiming to be the sole possessor of truth, and responsible for the divisions of religious bodies throughout the centuries. If I can add to this, friends, Vatican II, although there's a lot of ambiguous language in it, didn't actually change any church teaching formally because the church is incapable of formally teaching error. The Pope and the bishops in union with him are incapable of formally teaching error. But there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of ambiguity, and yes, obviously a lot of changes took place. But Paul VI himself said it was a pastoral council, which was different than every previous council in the history of the church, and that the uh, bishops did not want to formally define any doctrine, which would lead one to ask, Holy Father, why was this council called? What was the purpose? And I think Pius XII showed very good judgment when he decided not to call a council. I think many pundits have pontificated that he thought the bishops didn't have the, quote, maturity to be able to handle a council. Maybe that's a kind way of saying they're thoroughly modernist, and he was worried about what might take place. Unfortunately, Vatican II was called under John the Twenty-Third and fully implemented by Paul the Sixth. To continue, 
The focal point of attack would be the Holy Eucharist, as we read in the memoirs of Communist Agent AA1025, whose briefcase was discovered after being killed in an auto accident in the mid-60s. To weaken more the notion of real presence of Christ, all decorum will have to be set aside. No more costly embroidered vestments, no more music called sacred, especially no more Gregorian chant, but a music in jazz style, no more sign of the cross, no more genuflections, but only dignified, stern attitudes. Moreover, the faithful will have to break themselves from the habit of kneeling, and this will be absolutely forbidden when receiving communion. Very soon, the host will be laid in the hand in order that all notion of the sacred be erased." Again, AA1025 says in the Mass, the words real presence and transubstantiation must be deleted. We shall speak of meal and Eucharist instead. We shall destroy the offertory and play down the consecration, and at the same time, we shall stress the part played by the people. In the Mass, as it is today, the priest turns his back to the people and fills a sacrificial function, which is intolerable. He appears to offer his Mass to the great crucifix hanging over the ornate altar. We shall pull down the crucifix, substitute a table for the altar, and turn it around so that the priest may assume a presidential function. The priest will speak to the people much more than before. In this manner, the Mass will gradually cease to be regarded as an act of adoration to God and will become a gathering and an act of human brotherhood. The foregoing coincides with leaked plans of the Masonic P2 Lodge in Italy that were issued just before Vatican II. Consider this excerpt from their 34 guidelines that were made effective March 1962. Get women and laity to give communion. Say that this is the age of the laity. Start giving communion in the hand, like the Protestants, instead of on the tongue. Say that Christ did it this way. Collect some for Satan masses. Can we understand now why the church today has been virtually overthrown by the post-conciliar revolution? Vatican II opened its doors and invited these agents of Satan to sit in on the council and participate in the drafting of its documents. Or hadn't it occurred to us why the 1964 Vatican II instruction inter ocumenici commanded that the traditional prayer to St. Michael at the end of the Mass be suppressed, Article 48? Obviously, the old devil didn't want the faithful praying against him. The same document states, the main altar should preferably be freestanding to permit walking around it and celebration facing the people, Article 91. This coincides with the memoir of the above-mentioned agent who said, we shall stress the part played by the people, and who complained that the priest turns his back to the people and fills a sacrificial function, which is intolerable. There is no arguing that the faithful are called to have active participation in Christ, but this participation will consist in silent meditation on the passion and contemplation on the sacred mysteries, not in assuming priestly functions or engaging in liturgical busybody activity. We are called to sanctify our souls and to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2.12. Which means we must respect Christ's monarchical authority and not attempt to assume functions which we are not authorized to perform. If the Catholic hierarchy would simply follow rules and regulations and keep with the church's 2,000-year tradition of having only consecrated priests administer communion, their household wouldn't be in such a shambles today. 
If heresy and apostasy now abound, it's because the hierarchy has lost confidence in the rule of tradition, fulfilling St. Paul's prophecy in 2 Timothy 4.3. There shall be a time when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. If priests would dump their modernist inventions and let down their nets the traditional way, they would again bring up a marvelous catch for Christ. But if they continue on their present path of change and, quote, renewal, they will continue laboring all night in the dark as they have since the council. If the church today is largely ignorant of the physical and supernatural presence of Christ in a sanctuary, it is because of these socialist lay-empowered movements through which the Eucharist has been profaned. The Eucharist is the very heart of the mystical body around which the entire church must revolve. Therefore, the members of Christ are dead members if they will not adore his true body in the manner commanded by Christ, namely, by receiving on the tongue and from a priest only. It was not without reason that St. Basil declared communion in the hand to be a, quote, great fault. St. Thomas Aquinas taught, quote, because out of reverence toward this sacrament, nothing touches it but what is consecrated. Hence, the corporal and the chalice are consecrated, and likewise the priest's hands for touching the sacrament. That is from the Summa Theologica. The Council of Trent reaffirmed the church's continuous teaching forbidding lay people from administering communion. Quote, it must be taught then that to priests alone has been given power to consecrate and administer to the faithful, the Holy Eucharist, that this has been the unvarying practice of the church as having proceeded from apostolic tradition is to be religiously retained that from the Catechism of the Council of Trent. St. Paul warns that whoever shall eat this bread or drink the chalice of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the body of the Lord. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven and 29. Hence, it would be better never to receive communion than to go up every day in cafeteria fashion and receive from people who are not empowered to administer the body of Christ. Though it has become a widely accepted common law practice today, the use of Eucharistic ministers at Mass is illicit in that it radically breaks with the Church's 2,000-year tradition. The argument that Pope John Paul II sanctioned the use of Eucharistic ministers holds no water since he was very much against this practice. The following is from his Redemptionis Sacramentum, issued March 25, 2004. If there is usually present a sufficient number of sacred ministers, meaning priests, for the distribution of Holy Communion, extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion may not be appointed. Indeed, in such circumstances, those who may have already been appointed to this ministry should not exercise it. The practice of those priests is reprobated who, even though present at the celebration, abstain from distributing communion and hand this function over to laypersons. Article 157. How is it that most Catholic parishes today are embroiled in this lay ministry program in spite of this and other like prohibitions? It's because the tumor of communism continues to spread its cancerous errors throughout the church. The ugly hand of communism has truly reached in to desecrate the Holy Eucharist. Let us pray that the Pope will finally consecrate Russia to the Blessed Virgin Mary so that the red tumor can be eradicated and health can be restored to Christ's mystical body. 
Once again, thank you to Mr. David Martin, who published that at Mr. Matthew Pleasy's website, a Catholic Life blogspot.com approximately seven years ago. And, of course, we can have the discussion over whether you think Pope Francis properly consecrated Russia to the Immaculate Heart of the Blessed Mother with the bishops of the world. But the main crux of this article is that we need to get away from extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. We need to get away from communion in the hand. We need to get away from the Novus Ordo. So as I've encouraged you many times before and will continue to do so in the future, please, no matter how long you need to drive, even if you need to move your family to get to a traditional Latin Mass community, Attend the traditional Latin Mass or Divine Liturgy. Stay away from the Novus Ordo. The Novus Ordo is dangerous to your faith. It is dangerous to the faith of your children. Let us conclude, friends, by mentioning Helping Autism through Learning and Outreach, available on the web at halo-soma.org. That's halo hyphen. SOMA.org. And also please tune into episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. The subject of those podcasts, RPM, Rapid Prompting Method, a system of communication for non-speakers, just as sign language was a marvelous breakthrough for the deaf in terms of their being able to communicate. By the grace of Almighty God, the same has happened for non-speakers through RPM, sometimes called spelling to talk or typing to communicate. It's all basically the same thing. Rapid prompting method gets non-speakers out of the prison of silence and into the world of communication where they belong with the rest of us because communication is a human right. Put yourself in their shoes. If you were unable to communicate, how frustrated would you be? How sad would you be? How angry would you be? And yet, Non-speakers are some of the most compassionate, kind, and intelligent people I've ever met. We need to help them. Communication is a human right. RPM is the tool that helps non-speakers get into the world of open communication. But you can't use a tool unless you know about it. So let's spread the word. Once again, get this to the family and friends of non-speakers that you know. Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach, H-A-L-O hyphen S-O-M-A dot org and tune into episodes 277 and 548, the former an interview by me with my wonderful sister and equally wonderful niece, the latter an interview by a gentleman from Word on Fire. Let us conclude, friends, by saying once more to pray the rosary every single day. As Dr. Marshall says, if you don't pray the rosary, you're not on the team. Fathers, grandfathers, I'm counting on you to lead your wives, your kids, your grandkids in the rosary every day. Got to do it. Thank you so much. God bless you for all of your efforts. And thank you so much for listening to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. I'll see you again tomorrow. Goodbye. And God love you.